When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks. Whatever you need, rich with CBD and CBG. It's got me buzzing this morning. I'm feeling great. And I'm not getting those coffee jitters, which usually might be the case with some of the other products out there on the market. Strava Craft Coffee is giving you 25% off your first purchase when you go to StravaCraftCoffee.com and use code DNVR. 25. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today is the man who joins us every week, the host of the Jubilee Podcast, the voice of the Colorado Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet, one of the most popular cameos on the market right now. Please give it up. I didn't forget. I did not forget your cameos, Drew. You didn't forget. You embellished a bit, but that was fine. <laughs> I'll take that. All right. How's it going, man? Doing well, man. Staying, staying warm. It's going to be a cloudy one today, but uh, that's okay. You know, we, we still got 300 or some more right left of this year in, in Colorado. We're we're lucky in the environment that we live in, so no complaining. No, never complain. When I walked, uh, when I walked my dog this morning, it was uh, chilly, chilly, chilly out, man. Cold. Yeah. Cold one, we, and we've got plenty of we've got some Rockies news, some actual things that have happened in the past week that we'll we'll touch on Vegas. You know, we got a AAA coaching staff that's interesting. We'll we'll talk more long form about the the facility down in the Dominican Republic where a lot of these international signings players uh, will go for a year or two as they develop before they come to the mainland and, and go to places like Fresno or the Arizona complex league down in Scottsdale. So we'll cover all those things, but we probably should start off by congratulating Jenny Kavanaugh for being announced as the Colorado sportscaster of the year. It's so yeah. fantastic. Yeah, isn't that great? That's super. She's the first woman ever to uh, to have won that award. Well, well deserved. Um, Jenny Super, and I'm proud to call her first and foremost a friend, and uh, and uh, also proud that she's been a, a colleague of mine now for a number of years since moving from her home in Colorado to San Diego, and and really uh, get getting her career. Uh, flourishing in San Diego, and then we're all fortunate that she's uh, she's back here. So, congrats to Jenny. That's uh, again well deserved and uh, superb all the way around. I feel like she's just getting started in, in a sense, at least almost on the national level. We know how great she's been here in our state, but now she's got a show on Sirius XM radio on, on the MLB network called unassisted. So she's, she's crushing it right now. And, and it's glad that uh, she's being honored for that. That wonderful. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where she's finding time right now because she has <laughs> two beautiful uh, little ones at home and, um, and congrats also to her husband, who just uh, uh, Steve, who just became a member, a uh, full-fledged member of the Denver Fire Department. So that's awesome as well. But congrats to uh, to Jenny, and hopefully uh, we'll all be doing our thing uh, over on AT and T in the not too distant future. But that is out of our hands right now, Patrick. It is now. One of the pieces of news that came out this week is the Rockies are going to play two spring training games in Las Vegas. I think it's their first time since, I want to say, 2009 that they've played there. That was, of course, at, at Cashman Field. Now there's a new facility there in, in Las Vegas called simply the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the AAA Las Vegas Aviators, a, a nod to Howard Hughes. Would that be an event that in the past AT&T Sportsnet has, has covered out there in Vegas? It's a split squad game, so you're not getting all of the top players, but you know, it's a fun little exhibition jaunt in the middle. I'll of the take uh, a quick little story. We did the, the last time that the Rockies played a, an exhibition game in Vegas. It was at Cashman field. And interestingly, um, I remember it well because I was freezing my ass off. It <laughs> was so damn cold and it was ridiculously in capital letters, windy. And the wind was blowing out at gale force winds um, to right field. 
And it was hysterical watching batting practice. You know, Brad Hopp was there, Helton, uh, you know, uh, Car- I think, yeah, Cargo was there. They had obviously, uh, I'm trying to even think, it was, was Giambi around then? Anyhow, they, all, they had some big left-handed power bats. And I'm not exaggerating at all. Guys were hitting the ball 500 feet to right in batting practice just because as soon as the ball went up, it went, you know, it, it, it you know, blown towards California or wherever direction it was blown. I have no idea, but I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was freezing also. In fact, it, the booth was kind of outside. So my lips were, you know, blue and your teeth are chattering. And I would go back inside every chance I could. You don't think going to Vegas that you're going to eat or drink gallons of hot chocolate. But those are the two things I remember about back then. We are scheduled to televise one of those two games in Vegas this year, but obviously we don't know now uh, because of the uncertainty of, uh, of spring training and, and even the regular season with the, with the lockout, what's going to transpire. Yeah, it's a not a mixed message. That might not be the right word, but it's weird that here we are in this lockout. We don't know what we're going to get of spring training, if it'll get canceled or most of it, and yet there's new dates being put on the calendar. So, you know, I don't know if that's a promising thing or not. But, you know, in some parts of the, the baseball business world, things are still going along as normal. And so that's obviously a, a positive thing. Are you of the proponent, Drew, that three to four days is like the sweet spot when going to Vegas? Like you really don't want to be there any longer than that? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm taking that question uh, the, the first brush at it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a ceiling as to how long you want to, you know, hang in Vegas. Vegas can be fun. I'm not a huge gambler um, at all. In fact, I rarely gamble. Um, I used to uh, like to play craps, you know, but it was more years and years ago. And Vegas, I, I guess it can be, it, it's just, everything is a production. You know, yeah. if you're staying in one of those big strip, casinos you you know if you leave something in your room it's like a 20 minute round trip to go get back to your room and you always get confused because they make it so you get confused you can't see the light of day i'm an outdoor person i find it i I, i'm gonna sound like you know just pissing on vegas i don't vegas can be a lot of fun but i'm not big on spending my day indoors and and i always i've always told my kids this too they don't build those monstrosities because people are consistently taking money out of them so you know vegas for short bits i've had good times but you're right short short and sweet only one time for for myself i think it was the the 2018 winter meetings were there and so that was that was like the right amount of time you know i got there nice and excited big buildings, all the, you know, colorful lights, things of that nature. I think the, the Las Vegas nights were, you know, uh, just about getting themselves started. So there was some uh, advertising for the Vegas Knights. who uh, I think they're going to have a game on the 17th, the night before the first Rockies exhibition game against the D-backs. And then the game on the 19th, I think is going to be a day game at like 2.05. And then the Knights have a game that day as well so you could really have a of a big weekend if, if you can get tickets to to all those events i think this saturday is when tickets for the rockies d-backs game at las vegas ballpark will go on sale but you're right about that with vegas where man it can be a challenge but you know that that is fun like when you're on vacation is to not worry about prices of things and that's good and well if you're if you're in that mindset i'm too frugal of a guy i one of my favorite things that I did when I was in Vegas that I was so proud of was after I was done with my run, I stopped at the CVS to get chocolate milk and a banana, which might've been a dollar. And I said, Oh, all right, it's Vegas. What are you going to do? But when I went into the hotel, into the casino, I, as I'm going through, I go, Hey, how much are your bananas here? They were three bucks a piece. I said, okay, I, I, I made out really well with my $1 banana. Felt pretty good. Felt like I won that day. Yeah, your dollar, your dollar banana at CVS as opposed to three dollars at uh, the MGM. So, precisely. There you go. Prudent decision. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Also exciting too is the the AAA coaching staff. Now, again, look, we're in a lockout, and so everything that comes through, you, you maybe get more excited about, or you pay attention more than normal. But look, 
the players that are coming up through the minors, and we know the Rockies have a, a good system that still might be a couple years a, away, and there's some exciting guys. These are the coaches that they announced here in Albuquerque that are going to be working with some of those guys, and there's definitely a lot to like from manager Warren Schaefer, bench coach Pedro Lopez, pitching coach Frank Gonzalez, hitting coach Jordan Pacheco. And you could go down any of those avenues with those coaches and take something away. You go, hey, this these are the type of people that you want working and developing on the next generation of Rockies players. Well, I, I can speak to, uh, to three of the four, and that is I'll start with Warren Schaefer. He's very well thought of. He's very He's well thought of, not just in the Rockies organization. He's well thought of in the industry um, as, as a leader. And uh, so the fact that he's uh, – you know, leading Albuquerque again, great. And uh, Frank Gonzalez has done great work um, now for a number of years uh, with pitchers in the Rockies organization. Um, you know, he's a local guy, if you will, Fort Collins and father of Marco, as most people know. And I'm really excited about Jordan Pacheco being back with the organization. Jordan's a New Mexico native, great guy. He had that one terrific year for the Rockies where I believe he finished fifth in the National League in hitting at 309. Jordan could always hit. He could hit at UNM well, when he was a Lobo. And he played for a long time. He kicked around for a long time. I think even as recently as a year ago, he was playing independent baseball. So uh, I'm excited because I think Jordan's a really good communicator. He's passionate about hitting. He's a passionate uh, guy about the game of baseball, clearly. Uh, so I'm glad that the Rockies have added him to uh, the coaching staff. Uh, down in Albuquerque. Yeah, Pacheco. That, yeah, you know, th that's a that's a really well, you know, they're, they're individual. I mean, it's the Rockies oversee things, you know, when it comes to coaches and players. But when it comes to the day-to-day -day operation, those are locally um, run um, situations. And Albuquerque is exceptionally well run. John Straub's their general manager has been uh, – you know, for a long time, and he does a, a fabulous job. So uh, that's a that's a really good relationship. I know that you know people were disappointed that the Rockies you know left Colorado Springs some years ago, um, and, and it was nice to have the affiliate just an hour away. But it's further down the road. I understand down I twenty five, but they they do a marvelous job down in Albuquerque. It's a close enough drive where if you get called up in the morning, like Josh Fuentes. You can drive to the stadium no and get there by by first pitch, and, and that's one of the reasons it's it's very good that it's still relatively close in proximity. You're absolutely right. You get a call at nine in the morning. You know, you throw your your gear in in the and you're on the highway. Say by ten, you're going to be in Denver by you know four four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, the facility is is top notch there, no doubt about it. And and rounding out out the staff, bench coach Pedro Lopez, he's been with the Rockies the last couple years, but is a guy who comes from outside of the organization. You know, had a 13 year playing career, and you know was with the Rangers as a coach from 2000 2007. So again, just a great mix, and he's Puerto Rican native too. So uh, I think you you check off a lot of boxes with that. And you know, get, Frank Gonzalez was really I was excited. Great, glad to see Warren Schaefer back. A huge Warren Schaefer fan. First got to meet him five years ago or whatever it was when he first started with the Hartford Yard Goats. He's definitely, a, you know, a rising star as far as young coaches go. He's still only in his mid thirties. But Frank Gonzalez, seeing him get the promotion from Double A Hartford, and really kind of work in his wheelhouse, where, as you said, you know, Fort Collins coach. I think he was even the the coach of the the club team at CSU. Uh, in the in the early 2000s, so he knows how to pitch at altitude, and so it will be incredibly interesting to see what he does uh, with, with the cast of pitchers down in Albuquerque this next year. I, I think this is one of the best coaching staffs all around that they've they've put together. I think in some time. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it was good to see, and there was a little bit of news, right? Not a lot out there, but that was a little bit of news. Yeah, we got we got news at the the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York, or rather, it's just DNVR news because we've got a cool signing coming up next Wednesday on January 26th from 5 to 7 p.m. 
up at Shields in the Loveland area. I think it might technically be Windsor, but David Roddy, big time player for CSU basketball. He'll be doing a signing there. We had one with the McBrides uh, at the end of summer, at the beginning of the football season. So we got that going on. You know that it's 50 cents for your first month if you want to try out all the great exclusive content on the DNVR, whether it's Avs, Nuggets, Rams, Buffalo, Broncos, and yes, the Colorado Rockies. We've got all of that covered as well. And maybe the best part, you get a bigger beer when you're down at the bar, right? You get a few extra ounces. And so that in and of itself, we've heard some members say, well, that that pays for it in and of itself. And so hey, all, all the extra bonus content we get is is all the more welcome. You get a free shirt too with that annual membership to the dnvr.com. So give that a consideration if you're not already a member. The Breckenridge Brewery is always flowing there on the corner of Colfax and York. Avalanche Ale, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Jr., you name it. They also service us with their good company, Hard Seltzer. We're talking Honeydew, Mountain Berry, Peach, Black Cherry. Pick it up at Costco. Anywhere you get your hard seltzers at Breckenridge Breweries, good company, hard seltzer, an easy choice for a great company. And we're talking great companies. We do have to mention Ball since they've been creating a culture of belonging that's been noticed by the human rights campaign. They even have a corporate equality index score of 100%. You're free to be your authentic self when you work at Ball. And now they're hiring for $27 an hour for production technicians you have opportunities for annual bonuses working through the company work your way up breaking some of those glass ceilings things of that nature you're manufacturing aluminum cans and bottles in their plant down in golden so your commute into work is going to be extra scenic which can go a long way if, uh, on those commutes depending on where you live text golden to 77222 and you'll get linked to all their open positions you can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for golden that's jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. As we mentioned at the start of the show, Goody, international signing period has begun. They go ahead and snag Diane George, a player they've been linked with since last year, $2.8 million. I think that's that might be the highest and most money they've ever doled out for a player on the international amateur free agent market, ranked 15th by MLB Pipeline, ranked 4th by Baseball America, 18-year-old kid, a lot of upside, great baseball IQ. It's definitely something to get excited to keep an eye on here in the next couple of years in the Rocky system. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of ways to go about these things. And uh, I have great respect and admiration for Rolando Fernandez, who's uh, vice president of international, uh, basically international operations for the, uh, for the Rockies. And he's been in place for a long time and situated in Boca Chica in the Dominican, but he travels, uh, you know, all over the place. And uh, I do believe you're right, Patrick. I, I, I don't uh, remember them spending more money on a player than they, they did for this young Cuban shortstop. Um, and as I started to say, there's a couple of ways to go about it. You can use your, um, you know, international pool money and, and sign, you know, 25 players and and not give one a, a necessarily a, a really large amount or you can you know try to hit a home run with one or maybe even two and then have a bunch of you know a few guys making far less um, but this you know this was an eye-opening uh, move uh, by the Rockies and and um, you know it's a, it's it's a more level playing field certainly than it used to be with the international money you know, you can't just you can't just outspend someone down there like the Dodgers used to do. And the Dodgers were really pioneers uh, to a certain degree in Latin America. Uh, but I think with, uh, you know, with this signing, again, it indicates in, in a recruiting in recruiting wars, you know, that Rolando Fernandez and his team, you know, are, are forced to be reckoned with. So um, I, I would like to see you and I have talked about this before. It's been a little bit, Patrick, but you and I talked about it, I think, a year ago. The Rockies have to continue to uh, to to uh, increase their level of um, you know spending commitment and success at the Latin in Latin America. So it's born out at the major league level. I mean, it's such a, a great source of talent, the passion. Um, for young players coming out of Latin America and the, um, you know, the, the, the great desire to succeed. I mean, the sport still 
I think it's around 27% at the major league level uh, of young players come from Latin America. And so the Rockies certainly have to, um, you know, get their share of, of players from such a great resource. And so I was, um, I was really pleased to see this signing because, as you mentioned, he was number four, according to Baseball America, and polls, you know, whatever, right, at, at this point in time. But uh, I thought that was a great sign, and, and congrats to Rolando Fernandez and, and his team down there. The Rockies have some financial clout, you know, going into this. They had just under $6.3 million, one of the top eight teams who had that much, close to $2 million more than the Dodgers, who – had to use that strategy you're, you're alluding to. I think they signed 30 international free agents, but again, just kind of spread that out, just hoping, hey, maybe we will find a diamond in the rough rather than going all in. So uh, I think one of the things that certainly can can help a team like the Rockies is having a really good facility, which... Hey, Patrick, real quick, before you go there, I'm sorry to, to interrupt, but I want to point something else out. Please. Last summer, and again, you and I chatted about this. Last summer in the DSL, the Rockies' two teams in the DSL dominated in terms of pitching and hitting statistics. And so, again, hopefully that's borne out three, four, five years from now where we start to hear more about, you know, some of the individuals that comprise those two rosters as they make their way to playing uh, minor league baseball uh, in the Rockies system uh, in, in North America. So, uh, there, there's a lot of good things going on there, and I'll let you, you know, finish that thought. But I did want to mention that, uh, you know, I know the Rockies system had been beaten up um, over the last couple of years, but you know, in in the Dominican and in and in A ball in particular, the Rockies really have a strong minor league system, and now we'll see as they graduate and march toward ultimately, hopefully, uh, playing in Denver. Yeah, that. Uh, DSL Rockies. They have DSL Colorado, DSL Rockies. As you said, yeah, the, uh, had the best record in in uh, the entire league. You know, led by uh, outfielder Fadriel Cruz had a 8.35 OPS. Yankee Fernandez, another one of those international amateur free agent signings, had a 9.37 OPS. First baseman Gerard Ramos, nine home runs, and so that's that's promising, right? The, the Rockies farm system is on an upswing and a lot of that has to do with those facilities down in in Boca Chica and I know you had an opportunity to to visit that and it's it's still relatively new you know I think 2013 uh was when they they made the announcement and, and I think 2014 is when they they finally got it uh off the ground six million dollars facility uh can house 80 players their previous facility only had room for about 45 so it's got a dormitory style living area for players living quarters for on-site staff training weight rooms cafeteria entertainment room computer room and my favorite part too because we we know this and I think most people listening to this know your odds of becoming a professional is infinitesimal right it's just it's it's almost impossible that it's going to happen and only a few break through. But they also have a classroom here at the facilities, which is really important because only half the children and, and half of young people in the Dominican Republic are enrolled in a secondary education. So they they have even said this in the past, like, look, they want their their players that even if they they never make it off the island and, and never make it to the majors like you know, players like Antonio Senzatella, Raimel Tapia, or even in the past, William Rosario or Juan Uribe, they just want them to to have a better life and, and have a positive experience and leave better men. And this facility is is just absolutely fantastic in, in Boca Chica. And, and it's wonderful that they were they were able to put this together with with Bill Guyvet's help as one of the uh, the front men uh, in the operation. Well, I'll go back with you. I believe it was the winter of 2008 after the 07 World Series um, in which obviously the Rockies partook. I went down with uh, Dick Monfort, uh, the late Kelly McGregor, who was president of the club, Dan O'Dowd, and uh, it was just a handful of us. And, and that was my first time to the Dominican. And Rolando, um, even back then, was was running things. And so I was at the Rockies' old facility in Boca Chica, which they shared with the then Cleveland Indians. I know now they're going to be the, they're the Cleveland Guardians. Um, and the Rockies' side of the facility 
was well kept and that's in line with if you know Rolando I mean he's uh you know he leaves no stone unturned and and he makes sure things get done right in fact I'll never forget this on the Cleveland side and and each team had one field that was it and there was kind of like a half field that they shared out beyond and uh, on the Cleveland side and the outfield grass wasn't cut. The infield grass was, but the outfield grass wasn't cut. So when they played games, literally the grass, I'm not exaggerating, was coming up to the calves of, of these young players. The Rocky side w- was more well-kept, but it was it was kind of bare bones. But I didn't know what to expect or compare it to until they took us around. And part of the reason we were all down there is Rolando was pitching, you know, Dick, Monfort, and Kelly on the fact that the Rockies needed – a new facility because it's a recruiting process and, you know, every, anything that you can utilize to help sign a player through the Bascones, the street agents would be helpful. And at the time, the Yankees had just finished their Boca Chica um, and, and Boca Chica, for those that don't know, is just right outside of Santa Domingo. And most of the teams are all, situated there nobody's in venezuela anymore because of the unrest politically that has been that way for a number of years now and i know i'm getting long-winded here but the yankees facility was just completed and it looked like the taj mahal naturally the mets facility was was under construction and you could tell that was going to be state-of-the-art and you know that trip Rolando was able to sell Dick Monford and, and Kelly on the need for it. And that's when the, when it all began and it came to fruition completion, if you will, in 2013. Now, fast forward, I was just down there a couple of years ago. Uh, my middle son's college team um, was playing down there and I set some things up and they played the Rockies young uh, players uh, a couple of times at that facility. And, uh, Rolando was there again. I'm telling you what, Patrick, if you ever have an opportunity to go down there, you have to, because this, to to say that they went from, you know, a, not a great facility to the top, you know, top shelf, kind of like they did with their spring training facility in Scottsdale from the old one in Tucson. They did, man. They, they have the best facility in Latin America now. And I, I mean, you, you could eat off the pavement there and now they have you know, two full fields and the half field and the um, the eating area, the classrooms, as you mentioned, the door. I'll go live in the dorm right now, be a happy camper. I mean, that's how nice it is. That That's certainly on the bucket list. You think about, oh, you got to go to a game in Hartford, check out the double A guys. No, now we got Fresno and Spokane. But yeah, going down to, to Boca Chica to see that facility it would be fantastic. You said previously it was one field. Now they got two fields. Right, they got a half field here for those of you watching on the YouTube channel on DNVR Sports. You can see what the facility looks like here a little bit with the two and, full and, fields and the half field. And Patrick, in the middle of the two fields, past the you know down you know in the outfield area and right field in one, left field in the other. That's that's a large indoor hitting facility. That's that's that building you see in between. And the main complex is, you know, where you see the red, um, you know, dot signifying you are here. Um, that is, that's the main um, facility. It, it's gorgeous. In fact, the, the Rockies, um, because they, you know, have such a, you know, wonderful situation there, they utilize it for their North American players and coaching staff as well. So they'll send guys down to work out for a couple of weeks in the Dominican. They'll send coaches down there to join their coaching staff in the Dominican as a way to, you know, engender, you know, teamwork through both places, but also allow, you know, kids who are English speaking and grew up say in the United States to go down and kind of get immersed into Latin America and realize, um, you know, how tough a transition it is a lot of times for these kids that grew up in, in the Dominican or in another Latin American country and then have to come over and, and live in the United States where the language is different, you know, the culture is different, the food's different. So I think the Rockies utilize that, um, uh, in a, you know, I think they do a great job in utilizing it in addition to their players that hail from that part of the world. I love that idea of that community building and team building so that as you said, the North American players come down to the facility. There's three batting cages so that, you know, 
with with potentially upwards of of 80 players there living on the campus i mean there's there's only so much room to go around but as as you saw from the, the photographs with two full fields you got the the half one so you can do little infield drills you got the batting cages there's some stuff going on indoors you have a little bit of everything and and, and to your point goody you can see how pristine things are there because now the facility is going on seven eight years uh, that that's been in operation, but it's still kept up, as you said, as a crown jewel right down the street from the Yankees facility. There's a couple right in that that general neighborhood, 45 minutes outside of of Santo Domingo, in in the Dominican Republic. So this is one of those things that you know good organizations do, like the Rockies, to reinvest in the future, because it it's not just making the right trades and signing the right free agents. It's it's starting from the ground up for these 16, 17, and, and 18 year old kids, uh, for them to to get an opportunity and, and work and develop their skills before they even make it to a minor league ballpark. This is where it all starts. Yeah, it's um, as I said, and you, you can even tell you can glean from the pictures how well done it is. Um, as uh, as I've mentioned a couple of times. Uh, you're not going to find a dandelion on that <laughs> on that property. I mean, everything is immaculate. It looks as if, I remember saying this to Rolando, I said, this looks like it, it opened yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been open now well, yeah, the better part of a decade. So uh, kudos to the Rockies. Now hopefully you keep bearing fruit with players, you know, from that part of the world. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, maybe we'll have to talk about it later, the idea that there's now been 56 of these games that have gone on. I can remember when it was 20, maybe. Uh, But now counting down to Super Bowl 56, you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. You're not a new customer. Don't worry about it because you can still get in on the action this divisional round with same game parlays. That's where you combine multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout. So the more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Goody, um... You probably remember just when it was called Super Bowl, huh? Oh, uh, are you? It, would that be the first one, Super Bowl? <laughs> it didn't one? even have the one next to it because yeah, it was uh, Super Bowl. They didn't even call it that Super Bowl until after, right? You might be right. Sure, yeah. Because I mean, at yeah. that point, it was just the NFL Championship. That's the. Uh, that's what's funny too. I. I no, I, I don't remember it. By the way, <laughs> nice try. I shouldn't knock football fans, but it's just the the history of the game isn't kept in high regards as much as, as baseball is. And so I, I would be curious to know how many football fans know, like football did exist before that, you know, 56 years ago, like professional football was around for quite a while before the first Super Bowl. But it's also allowed them to make substantive changes to the games. And, you know, I said some are obviously any kind of change, not everyone's going to say was for the betterment of the game, but you know, the, when I was younger, there were 14 games and then for a number of years it was 16 and now they've moved to 17. And I know that's hypocritical based on their, you know, thoughts on head injuries and and the proliferation of serious injuries in the game, but money talks, we all know what everything else does. Right. So football, because they're not married to the record book is able to move forward and evolve uh, far more, uh, readily than baseball. And it, it's even, you know, when you talk about the home run record, the hallowed home run record, when you talk about, um, you know, the fact that a couple of years ago, you know, you're playing seven inning, you know, double head, I guess we were playing seven inning double headers last year also. Uh, I think, and I'm all about the record book, but we have this beautiful thing called an asterisk. 
and you can add to the record book. It, it, even when you look at the single season home run record prior to, you know, what McGuire did and then ultimately what Barry Bonds did, when you looked at it, there was 61 in the, what was it, in the American League and 60 in the, or they, they had both in there. One was with an asterisk because he came at an 162-game schedule versus 154. That explains things for someone who was scouring a record book. And I think it's important for baseball to understand that and quote unquote baseball purists, because to evolve, you're going to have to let go a little bit of what you can't. I mean, it was always supposed to be, you know, nine innings and in what I'm not saying we're going to change from nine innings, but you know what I mean? You, you have yeah. to be able to, uh, to give a little bit to move forward. Yeah, you don't you don't need that perfect symmetry of everything being identical. If it if it goes from one sixty two back to to one fifty four, that okay, won't happen because of money. So. Wow, <laughs> we know that. Right. Um, and we also know the first step to good health and taking care of your mouth is giving a phone call to the folks over at Green Mountain Dental Group because they've been pivotal in keeping those of us at DNVR in great shape with great health. By taking care of our mouth. That's it. The same is true for our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. And now when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Well, Goody, I know you. we talked after last week's show off the air that there was an article that I wrote that was a little bit intriguing and, and hit a couple notes that have been whispered around it was an easier article for me to write because it had been out there in the ether for quite quite some time and it just needed to have the pieces put together again and those of you that are members of the dnvr.com you can read that article for free but it was about the rockies possibly acquiring a player like kevin kiermeyer from the tampa bay rays partially because well look we know Coors field has a very large uh area of, of outfield grass that needs to be covered. And well, he's making the most money on the Rays and the Rays love shedding a, a 11, $12 million player. So, Hey, let's, let's see if we can figure something out. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I think I, I mentioned this a little bit last week. I think Kevin Kiermaier is a really good baseball player. And I, I think if he's playing center field for the Rockies, that's yeah, not a bad thing, but I think that it is overblown a little bit. Um, not completely. I know it's the largest expanse in baseball, the outfield at, at 20th and Blake. Um, but you need, when it comes to, to your outfield, all three now are power spots, right? Definitely the two corners, but even center fielders now, you got to have offensive production out of it. The Rockies outfield, to say they were sorely lacking in offensive production would be a grand understatement. So they have to make significant inroads there with the guys on the offensive side that are going to occupy those three spots. So I would lean heavily in the direction of what can you bring to that side of the table um, more uh, importantly than, you know, any sort of deficiencies you may have or perceived deficiencies defensively now I know you can't run out you know three slugs in the outfield at Coors Field uh, clearly uh, but I go back I said this to you last last week and I'll repeat it for those that that, that missed it when the Cubs signed Jason Hayward to a 186 million dollar deal a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was such a wonderful outfielder right and I'm thinking I remember looking it up. He he had 1.7 chances on average a night. And so if you extrapolate that over to a, a busy week where they played every day, so you're talking about, you know, 14 chances, maybe. It's really, you know, if you do the math, it doesn't even come to that. Is he going over the wall nine times in seven days and pulling back three-run homers? It's crazy. Most of the time the plays he's going to make are within the realm of routine for a major league outfielder. So give me a guy who's going to be productive offensively, particularly given where the Rockies are in their construct right now, offensively there's they, they need a lot of help, right? We know that. 
So more importantly than a Kevin Kiermeyer or someone like him that is an elite glove in center field, I need to see elite production in the outfield, not to mention a couple of other places as well. Got it. Got to improve the power. There, there's no two ways about it. No depending, two ways about it. Yeah, d- depending on understanding of, of the roster construction and 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 how much of an upside you you think this team is, or how far away they are from being a a contender. I think you you need you need Kiermaier, but you still need to go out and improve the lineup with at least one more guy, Kyle Schwarber, being the top guy on on your list. And you know, if you get the universal DH, you can get a little creative if you've got a, a four-man outfield that you can move some guys around with that works you know sam hilliard still is uh, a guy that again on on paper when when you look at some of the power numbers that he's been able to put up even putting aside his his defense has one of the best uh, most underrated arms in the game i still don't think we've really gotten a chance to see his potential there uh throwing out runners on base uh putting aside his speed even He's got a lot of power that makes you think, you know what, what's going to, what could happen? What could happen if you run him out there five, six times a week? That that's exciting. Well, again, uh, I thank you for teeing me up on that. Cause you and I talk all the time and you know, I'm a huge still, what, what, I'm a huge Sam Hilliard fan as a person. I think we all are. Oh yes. Um, you know, right. he, he's a wonderful young man. Uh, but I'm still really intrigued, Patrick, and we've seen it, man. You studied the sport as, as much as anyone I know. We've seen there, there's not a, a linear, um, you know, graph to when a player emerges as a star. If they are, not, most players don't emerge as a star. I understand that. But for every, you know, Ronald Acuna and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr., guys who are great from seemingly jump street, for you know, late in their teens. It doesn't work that way for most players who even, you know, become, you know, really, really good major leaguers. Sometimes it happens later. And I know Sam's 27, and it's a process. And, and gosh knows some of the things he's been dealing with the last couple of years off the field with, uh, you know, his, his father's illness and subsequent passing. I really want to see one oppor- one more year where where Sam is given an opportunity to, to go out there and fail, man, and, and go out there and, and it, I, I'll steal Jim Tracy's line with, Carlos Gonzalez, remember in, in 09 and Cargo came up and after coming from Oakland and he's still one of the top prospects in baseball, but he was struggling and Tracy was asked multiple times, you know, what are you going to do with Cargo? You can keep running him out there. And he goes, as long as he has a locker in this clubhouse, his name's going to be in the lineup. And we know how that finally, you know, that turned out, you know, he had his coming out party in the postseason against Philadelphia when he went 10 for 17 in the next year, 2010, this is, this is a year after, you know, all the, all the wise guys in the media like us were saying, oh, you know, should he be here? Shouldn't he be here? That sort of thing. Um, he was the player of the year in baseball as voted upon by his brethren. And so sometimes it, it, it takes a little while. So I'd really like to see Sam Hilliard get an opportunity to go out there and get 500 at-bats. And yes, we know there's going to be a lot of strikeouts. There's going to be some ugly games. He's going to have the golden sombrero, probably more than more than once. But what if he starts to figure it out and he hits 35 jacks and he starts to walk more like he did his final six weeks last year and you know he can play center field? Now you got something. Now you got something. Rocky Mountain Range version of of Joey Gallo. It, it certainly could be. And I hope it's better than that. I really do. I, I hope it's better than that. And and I and he may not walk as much as Joey Gallo, uh, but maybe he puts it in play a little bit more than Joey Gallo. Um, you know, and hopefully there's a similar amount of production when it comes to home runs. I mean, Joey Gallo is a really good outfielder. So you know, I get the comp there. I get the comp there. But I'd like to see. And you won't know until you get you just let it go. You know, you just let them ride. I think there's something to that, the idea of, you know, late bloomers, right? And and a lot of times they might not even get that that opportunity. And, you know, for, for Sam, you know, he was drafted out of, of junior college his sophomore year. 
and still thought there was a lot more left. And so didn't play division one baseball until his junior year of college. And so you say, all right, well, he wasn't, you know, immediately recruited to play at a, at a big university right out of high school. Like it, it took him that time. And so, you know, it makes sense here now at, at, at his age of, of 27 years old, he's still not, he, he's still not a regular. He's still not a regular guy. You can, you can guarantee is going to be on the, the 26 man roster. And this, this could be a real, uh, I don't want to say make or break because I don't believe in the break yet, but definitely could be a, a make year for him. If, if given that opportunity, much like cargo was by Jim Tracy, who, Oh yeah. Came in partially uh, through the season in 2009, went on to win the NL manager of the year, partially because of those kind of decisions and that trust in a young developing player like Carlos Gonzalez. Yeah. Two thoughts. Um, number one, uh, to uh, embellish the point that you made about Sam, you know, two different junior colleges, and then he goes to Wichita state. He remember he was two way player at Wichita state. So he wasn't completely focused on just being uh, a positional player. I mean, he was pitching uh, still at Wichita State. And the other thing that we shouldn't forget with a young player that has not yet established themselves, you know, Todd Helton, I'll just throw Todd out there. I was just reading a piece on, on Todd. Uh, you know, he could go 0 for 4 or 1 for 12, though it was rare, on a weekend and, and maybe have a bad weekend and strike out, you know, five times, which would be a, a ton for Todd, right? And know that Monday when he woke up, he was going to be in the lineup. Well, Sam Hilliard has not been, you know, he hasn't earned that right yet. He hasn't been afforded that right yet. So when he plays on a Friday night, and let's say he goes 0 for 4 with three punch outs, he's like, you know, when he goes to the clubhouse Saturday, he he goes, my name's not going to be on the lineup card. And so now it's not just the pressure of performing and helping your team win on a given night. It's also uh, that enormous pressure that if I don't do something positive or hit a line drive somewhere, then I may not be in the in the lineup the next day. You know, guys who've established themselves don't have to worry about that. And it actually kind of eases the burden. Now, they did something to earn that. I understand that. But that's why I'm saying if you run with Sam Hilliard and say, hey, dude, you're going to be out there every day. Buddy, Buddy Black, who's so great with players, puts your arm around you and go, listen, you're going to be out there the vast majority of the time. Just go play. Don't worry about a bad game. Don't worry about bad at bats. Just keep grinding, man. I, I think, uh, you know, fingers crossed, you really may like what you see at the at the, the end of a, a, a high volume of at bats for Sam. That, that's what I'm hopeful for. I'd forgotten about him being a two-way player. In fact, that's why he didn't sign with the Twins because I think they they wanted him to pitch. And again, you see his yeah. size, and you go, yeah, he he's he's a little lankier, I think, than people might realize. He has a little length to him. Um, but yeah, he he wanted he bet on himself. He said, no, I, I think I can hit at the Division One level. And so, uh, you're right that that makes sense for for the late development. And and he's a guy with his combination of power and speed. Where if you were if you're making a bet on DraftKings Sportsbook about players that could possibly hit for the cycle, you'd probably you know, be on the top of that list if he starts getting everyday playing time. And I bring that up because that's another article uh, from the dnvr.com, 50 cents now for your first month, uh, that I wrote a couple weeks ago about the, the insane amount of cycles that have been hit at Coors Field. There have been 18 at Coors Field in you know 27 or so seasons. And... Fenway Park, which has been around for over 100 years, has 17. More cycles have been hit at Coors Field than any ballpark in the history of time. That even includes uh, defunct stadiums like Forbes Field, which had like 12. And I think Tiger Stadium maybe had 12. And so it's, uh, it's a special place for, for seeing a cycle. And, and we know there's been a couple extra special cycles hit at Coors Field during our time. And there was actually one cycle that probably shouldn't have been, but I'm glad it was. And that was Troy Tulowitzki's down the third base line to get a triple, which is probably the only place at Coors Field that would you could hit a baseball, achieve, quote unquote, extra bases, and that be a triple because um, it, that's the whole key to a cycle. It's the hardest one to achieve is, is, is the triple. And Coors Field is very accommodating because of its vastness that we were discussing earlier uh, for triples, which is also for many, one of the more exciting plays in baseball. When you see, you know, you get Dexter Fowler tearing around the bases and, 
and producing a triple and, you know, cargo and, you know, there's a lot of guys that have produced, uh, you know, some triples. So uh, when when you look at Coors Field, it's probably not a surprise, especially when you look compare it to Fenway and say, okay, there's really only one place you can hit it in Fenway where you're going to get a triple. And that's a, you know, extreme right center or somehow you hit the ball over the center fielder's head and it's out there where it's, where it's really deep. You can't hit a triple to left. I mean, it's almost impossible. And, you know, right down the right field line is pretty short also. So, um, you know, that's when I mean, you juxtapose Fenway against Coors Field, you go, yeah, there's going to be a lot more triples at Coors Field. 16.5% of all cycles that have been hit at active stadiums have been hit at Coors Field. And you go, okay, well, you got the big outfield. So what about Kauffman Stadium? That's the largest in all of MLB. They haven't had one since 1994. I didn't, so I didn't, you just educate me. So Coors Field doesn't, I thought we always had the largest land space in the outfield. I've always thought that too. And a few years ago, I saw it in an article somewhere and I go, I think they're wrong. And I see it more and more, and I've, I've gone in and researched it, and there's like formulas to figure it out. Apparently, it is it is larger by just a little bit. So I do guess they count blades of grass, or do they do square footage? How do they do that? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think maybe they have smaller feet there, and uh, if they're walking around on their cleats, you know, yeah. back in the day, if you were yeah. th- throwing some pitches to your dad in the backyard, you know, you, you step it out. Uh, I, am not sure how they, they were able to figure that out, but yeah, Kaufman is apparently a little bit bigger. Jacobs field, which has been around since, uh, was that also 1994? They've yet to been around so long that the, that you and I call it the Jake still, but nobody else does. It has a different name, different, different sponsor attached progressive field. I think is that what it is? Yeah. The LeBron dome. Eventually I, I think they'll just, they'll name everything in that town after him. Um, is is the Nolan Arenado walk off Grand Slam cycle? I mean that that has to be the greatest cycle of all time because, I mean, you just hitting for the cycle, you go, hey, that's great. And there's it's interesting how it lines up the symmetry. How's it different though than cargo cycle, walk off cycle? I like cargo's better. Land in the upper deck. That's true too. That's true too. Yeah, there's Cubs, no blood involved. Cubs fan lap in the lap of a Cubs fan, left on left. Nolan's was great. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. Man. We're get the Father's there. Day, though. You get the Father's Day angle going well, on for that, too. Yeah. I think that helps. Sure, with with some special day that when Cargo hit his, I don't just don't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been the a first pitch, Patrick. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I, I was not at the ballpark for Arenado's game. I was listening to it at home. I should say I was at the ballpark that morning. And was trying to get tickets to the rock pile. And uh, a gentleman tried to cut me in line and cursed me out. And then because it was Father's Day, prices were a little bit more. Going back to being frugal, right? I'm like, I was in my head, I was expecting one price for rock's pile, uh, which actually had sold out. So it was just like, okay, what's, what's the cheapest seat in the ballpark? I know what it is. It ended up being more because it was a holiday. It came with a food voucher. I said, I'm out. I'm out. This guy's totally ruined my day. Uh, it, it was a very strange situation. So I was at the ballpark that that afternoon, that morning, and I left. That's yeah. probably the only game that I've ever had that happen. That's why when you have a ticket, you got to go to the game because you just never know. I went, once it went with, to a game after getting in a fight with my best friend, drove an hour to Philadelphia, and almost saw Travis Wood throw a perfect game for the Reds when he was a rookie in you know, circa 2011, 2012, because you got to go if you got tickets. Yeah, you got to go. I, I don't understand leaving, <laughs> leaving early, um, you know, from sporting events when the game, when the game is still in doubt. That's one thing if you're, you know, it's 15 to two and you go, Hey, you know, let's get out of here, beat traffic. It's the seventh inning. I understand that same thing in a football game, but you know, people who leave in a four, three game or a five to two game, you know, I, I don't, Always understand that. Yeah. All right. If you can get this trivia question right, Drew, uh, I mean, you got something special, huh? I, I don't know what I don't know what I could give you, but maybe maybe how about this? Uh, everyone listening to this podcast, I, I shoot me an email, Patrick at the DNVR.com. If you get this right, I, I'm gonna have to personally buy you a t-shirt, a DNVR 
shirt from dnvrlocker.com if you can get this. If you can name, Drew, one former Rocky player. Three have done it. Three have done it. One former Rockies player who hit for the cycle in Japan. Oh, wow. I can get, I only have to get one. Yeah, pl- I, please Kaz don't get What? Kaz Matsui. I think the timer ran out on that. I yeah, sorry. I, did you hear the buzzer go off? Yeah, we no. Kaz Matsui is one of the answers. You did get an easy time, one. Unfortunately. Okay, well, let me try. Hold on a second. There's no way. How do you? How do you? Did you know that? No, but he's he played oh, over there. That's an easy, and he ran well, and he had some <laughs> pop. That's a no-brainer. I thought I thought the trick was going to be it wasn't Kaz Matsui. So that was okay. the easy one. So there's two more. There, yeah, there's no way you're going to get the, these other two guys. They they weren't around too long. Although one of them, wait, I believe, they wait, they didn't hit one in the states, but they hit one over there. Yes, yeah. One. I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, let me just get one more guess. Do you, do you want a little hint? Not yet. Let me. I know this is not this is not great podcast television. Um, we'll we'll edit out the uh, three minutes of you thinking. Yeah, um, I'll drop in some Jeopardy music. I was going to say Willine Rosario, but he's played more in the KBO, and people oh, go, Willine Rosario, how do we, you know, triple that's it? But I'm going to throw him out there. Is Willine Rosario? He is not. No, he he did. He he's in the news, right? He signed to play in Taiwan. Oh, he did. I didn't he see did. that. Okay, he did, and he's still like 24 years old. It's in, no, he's 32, but like he's he's still a young man. He's still a young man. Yeah. Uh, did Jeremy Burnitz go over there? I don't think he did. Did he? I don't think he did. No. The one of the t- so you're not going to get Alex Ochoa traded. No, I do remember Alex Ochoa though. I would never, I would never, ever, ever, ever get that. He was okay. traded for Bobby Bonilla, Orioles. Yeah, Nets. He was in the Bobby Bo deal. And the other guy, I believe he started at second base for the Rockies. Jose Ortiz. Jose Ortiz. Yeah. Did I get it? Yeah, you did. Jose Ortiz is the answer to so many obscure Rockies questions. <laughs> Jose Ortiz is one of the Rockies to yeah. hit three homers in a game. I had forgotten that. That's right. I did you forget know, you, that. You go through there and you go, oh, he hit three homers in a game. Giambi did it, you know, in Cleveland. You know, Rymac just did it last spring. You know, you start going through who's hit three in a game and, you know, some names you'd think Larry Walker. I was there when Larry did it in, um, did, oh, wait, Larry did it in Cleveland. Did Giambi do it in Cleveland also? Maybe they both did it in Cleveland. I can't remember. But um, so you go through and and then there's always one name left and you go, who is it? Who is it? It's Jose Ortiz. He had three jacks in a game. And most people, most people don't even remember Jose Ortiz being a Rocky. So when in doubt, Guess guess Jose Ortiz. Jose At least Ortiz. if it's a position player, right? Yeah. Just just like from a pitching standpoint, if you're not sure which Rocky it is, it's Johan Flande. That was of, my guy. Yeah. That was what I was gonna well, say. Johan Flande was always and God love him because he, he always tried to take the baseball every fifth day and he was, you know, had marginal stuff. Um, and it was during a difficult period in Rocky's history. And in the, you know, in our little television, uh, you know, group, our, our team, Johan Flande is always mentioned as, you know, yep, Johan Flande. They're uh, one of the guests I had on. He writes for Rocks Pile, Skylar Timmons. Shout out to you, buddy. He started a, a Twitter account only at the beginning of this month. And people are go people love it. It's at every Rocky ever. And I so, know. I, see, I, I, I follow that. It's really cool. He's awesome. Yeah, in fact, who did I see? You know, I, I like it because it, it jogs my memory. I'm like, oh, that's right. That guy, man, was a Rocky. And um, I, you, do you know the one I saw either today or yesterday? Mark Bellhorn. I forgot that Mark Bellhorn was a Rocky. And he's a guy that had some pops and some, some moments with the Cubs and the Red Sox. Never hit a homer in a Rockies uniform. So I, re- I, I really enjoy that because I look and I go, yeah, Bellhorn. I think he played like 14 games with the Rockies. Never hit a homer. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that's kind of a, a, neat, uh, a neat little thing. So make sure you follow uh, that because um, it's fun, especially if you're a Rockies fan, obviously. Skylar does, does a good job with that. But I, I made sure I, I added him on, on Twitter and I said, 
can we get Johan Flande, please? Can we get it? And sure enough, next day, boom. He had Johan. He had Flande on there yeah, recently. He yeah. did. I'll, I'm going to take credit for that one. I, I, yeah. I'll make that happen. All right. If you want it, you want the list of all the guys that have hit three home runs in a game? Let's do. Oh, I mean, pulled it up. Get, well, give me, give me quick uh, hints and I'll, and I'll, well, I did. So I did Walker. I did. Um, he has the most. He's done it three. He did it three times. Walker did it three times. You had Giambi's on there. Obviously, Rymax on there. Um, I think Cargo did it. Didn't Cargo hit three in a game? Twice. Twice. And another um, and another gentleman hit three home runs twice as well. Did Helton do it? Mr. Todd Father. So now we're down to only the solo guys. Did so Todd you, Hollinsworth hit three in a game? Ding, ding, ding. That's right. Seven RBI game. Wow. Back in. I'm feeling good about myself right now. I'm, I'm digging myself right now. I can't, but I came up with a couple that I had no business coming up with. Um, You're in the groove. You're in the groove. Cause you know, I told you like going into an evening's game, I'm a really smart guy. I have really good short-term retention. The next day, I don't remember Jack bleep. So the fact that I can remember some of these things is, is somewhat surprised. No, I'm trying to think Did Nolan ever hit three in a game. I'm going to say yes. Once. Yes, he did he did. you got right. it. You he got it on time. Another another seven RBI game, three yeah. home runs for Nolan in two uh, 2017. Trevor did it because he hit. He kept hitting them farther. The last one was 505 until they somewhat somehow amended that like a year later. Yeah, I don't how know many, how many are on that list. Fourteen, I think you named about eight. Okay, seven or eight. You got well, Jose Ortiz Jose, already. Jose Ortiz. Um. Oh boy. Well, anyhow, I'll tell you what, why don't you, because this, this becomes not as interesting. Go ahead and rattle them off. Give me quick hints. Uh, there are three no more, three notable names on there. If you're talking about, uh, no, not Ellis Burks. Vinny. Yes. Did Galarag ever do it? Yes. He did. Got it. Those are two of the, three notables so there's one more notable name and is it either matt holiday troy tulowitzki or charlie blackman give you multiple choice chuck charlie blackman got it charlie blackman did it all right we've got a guy who was an all-star i want to say in 2001 had a three home run game only played with the rockies for two seasons also played with the mariners and brewers Burnett. No, he was a third baseman. Jeff Cirillo. Jeff Cirillo, got it. And uh, there's there's uh, one left, and he was mentioned twice, I think, on this podcast just in the last week. He was a part of uh, the article on the DNVR.com, 50 cents for your first month, all Sam about Hilliard, the cycle. Because he hit Sam, for the cycle. No, not Sam Hilliard. Sam hasn't done it. Um, oh, hit for the cycle? He hit for the cycle, and he has a three-home run game. He Kat was a, not Suey. No. no, he was a, he was a decent. You have the right position, second base. He was a decent. He was a notable signing in the day when they picked him up. You know, they spent a, a pretty penny. I want to say maybe three years, twenty four mil. He was from the area. In a, wait, in Mike a, Lansing, Jason State. That would be correct. Mike Lansing, three homer game. I don't remember Laser hitting three in a game. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Well, good for Laser. Laser Laser had a good had a really good big league career. Kind of a kind of an underrated player. I mean, he was great. In Wyoming. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I think he is. Uh, he's the answer to a trivia question that I know Saber President Scott Bush likes to throw out there about uh, players who was drafted by a non MLB team. He was drafted by the Miami Miracle in like 1982 or something like that. There was some kind of you know, alternative MLB, you know, alternative professional league that was trying to get started. And okay, they, they uh, ended up drafting him. But uh, 1998, September 22nd, 1998, three home runs for Mike Lansing. Only uh, he had a two run home run in there and the Rockies lost to the Diamondbacks. I want to say, did, didn't uh, Patrick, didn't Laser have a cycle in the first five innings of a game? Uh, and it was his first four at bats. Right. I and believe it, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he's sprinkled throughout the Rockies uh, record book. 
good. He did it for the first four innings. Yeah. He did it in four innings. Four bats, four innings. innings. Okay. June 18th, 2000. Michael Kadire, another one of those cycle guys, joined Bob Watson and John Olerud as the only two players to hit for the cycle in both leagues. Hey, you just mentioned, I'm going to have him on again at some point here. I had him on last year. One of my all-time favorite Rockies. One of the all-time adults to ever, <laughs> not saying suggesting, you know, everyone else is a child and immature, but it's a compliment to Michael Kadire, one of my all-time favorite Rockies. Um, just a smart, sharp, you know, adult leader. Um, for the uh, for the Rockies when they got him from the Twins, that was a really good move, man. Now, uh, Dan, oh, yeah. Dan O'Dowd, there were, those were some subtle, really good free agent signings. Kadir won a batting title. Obviously, Jason Morneau won a batting title. Um, it and- brought over and and when the Mets uh, they gave him a qualifying offer when the Mets signed him. Yeah, Rockies got a compensation pick. They I did. Believe yeah. It was yeah. Might have, was it Trevor Story? No, I don't think so. Might have been Mike Nickerack. Who you got on the show this week? I know Dave Lapham, you know, great timing there with Cincinnati guys. Jay Norvell. Jay Norvell, the head the big football one. coach at Colorado State. We had uh, we taped this a few days ago. Uh, Jay's a, a fascinating guy for me, great leader. Um, he's, I will be shocked if you and I aren't, when we drifted to Colorado State conversation, whether it's here with you or on, you know, on my podcast, you know, two, three years from now, if we're not saying, man, oh man, what a great, great hire. Cause he won a bunch at Nevada with, um, you know, limited resources, shall we say. And he has, he has good resources now in Fort Collins and he has energized that fan base. And, you know, Justin Michael does such a good job with you guys covering, covering the Rams. I mean, I, I know he's attested to it on, on social media and, and the buzz up there went from just, just awful under, you know, with Steve Adazio to now it, it's done a complete 180. So, you know, people were beating up Joe Parker, you know, give him a lot of credit. I know he hasn't coached one football game yet in Fort Collins. And the first one he's going to have to coach, Patrick, is at the big house, a place he's familiar with because he's an old Big Ten guy, is Coach Norvell. Um, and that's the first game for Colorado State. So that's going to be a tough one. Um, but he's, he's going to do, I, I, I'm, convinced he's going to do really really good things up there and he's he's really fascinating to listen to so he's he's my subject and that'll come out tomorrow morning that's exciting yeah thursday morning make sure you subscribe to the drew goodman podcast a big get because as soon as he was hired he he was immediately at the top of the board of, of guys you gotta get on your podcast and you got him and so that one's a definite must listen to on the drew goodman podcast dropping every thursday morning yeah, I think you told me, you said a couple weeks ago, you said, you got to get Norvell on. I said, I'm going to get on that. So it's you, man. You were the impetus. What can I say? Thank you. Right. I appreciate that. You know, for, for more uh, wisdom, follow me at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. You can follow Goody here at Drew Goodman 42 on Twitter. We are at DNVR underscore Rockies for all the great Rockies content. Remember, if you're not already a member of the DNVR.com, get yourself signed up. It's only 50 cents for your first month and you get a bigger beer when you're down at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. So for DNVR sports, he's Drew Goodman. I'm Patrick Lyons. You know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I'll talk to you then. The first step to good health and taking care of your mouth is giving a phone call to the folks over at Green Mountain Dental Group because they've been pivotal in keeping those of us at DNVR in great shape with great health by taking care of our mouth. That's it. The same is true for our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. And now when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. 